Grab your pre-workout and turn up that volume. It is time for a new episode of the Powerlifters Den with your host, Cam Smith. What's up, guys? Caleb Willem here. Thanks for having me on, Cam. No problem. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll start off telling everybody about where you're from, kind of what got you into powerlifting, and how you've been doing. Okay. Well, so I am from Lubbock, Texas. And so I've been here my whole life. It's a pretty simple little town, and I guess there just hasn't really ever been a reason to leave, so I just stay here. Um, you know, being strong is something that's always been important to me ever since I was a little kid. So it, it kind of just made sense that I, I found my way into powerlifting. Um, I remember when I was in eighth grade, I uh, figured out that powerlifting was a thing once I got into high school that I could compete in and whatnot. And uh, sure enough, my freshman year, I started when I was 15 years old. I did my first powerlifting meet. And I've kind of just been in love with it ever since then. You know, it's, it's just kind of mattered a lot to me. For whatever reason, that was the thing I've just pursued more than any other sport or whatnot, you know. Yeah, so from what I know about Texas, powerlifting is pretty big in Texas, especially in high school. Kind of, oh, man. Yeah, up, yeah. In, up in New England, it's really, like, there's no powerlifting. You start to see it more and more now in college, for sure. But you don't see it at the high school level at all around here, so. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's crazy down in Texas. I mean... Some of the strongest kids, like, on the whole planet, I would think. Um, and, you know, it seems like a lot of them kind of – I don't know how it is nowadays, but it seems like a lot of the ones I lifted with in high school kind of stopped competing and whatnot after. So it's – there's some kids I remember watching in high school. I can't even imagine what they would be like now if they had, you know, kind of stayed after it as long as I did or, or whatnot, including one of my best friends who won state his senior year. Um, his name's Philly, and, I mean, he was – like there's just no telling like what some of these kids would have been capable of, you know. So Yeah. So was he kinda was he like one of your partners in crime back then? Yeah, I would I would say so. I would say so. And we're still pretty close to this day. Like we, we keep in touch and whatnot all these years later. So Yeah. So um before uh, high school did, were you still into kind of the world of powerlifting or is it something that you didn't really know about until you got into high school? Well, so I guess I really started getting interested with lifting weights specifically when I was about 12 years old, because I had a weight set in my garage, you know, it was like a full rack barbell in a bench and 300 pounds worth of weight, which, you know, that was way more than I needed. Um, so I, I kind of just picked up on doing it one day, you know, because I wanted to be stronger than my friends and whatnot, because we had started lifting in our athletic program at school when we were in sixth grade. Um, and I mean, it was probably only a couple of weeks of lifting in my garage like that before I was getting on YouTube and like looking at videos of strong people and whatnot. Ronnie Coleman was one that I remember like watching a lot. Um, you know, cause it, I mean, back then there wasn't like just a ton of fitness content on YouTube. So it was like, I remember, um, Andy Bolton was also one of the first people I ever watched and, you know, he deadlifted a thousand pounds and he was the only one. And at the time, I mean, nobody else was even like close to getting a thousand pounds and it was just him. And then, you know, the next best deadlift was like 900 or something. I mean, he was so much far, like further ahead of everybody else. I remember watching that one, that Gene, whatever, the guy that funded the RPS. Yeah, you, check. It, yes, yes, yes. That guy. I, I watched in his thousand pound bench um and then watching like a real like maybe donnie thompson squatting like 1300 pounds or something but i just remember those three lifts specifically because you know you look up the heaviest lift ever done on this the heaviest lift ever done and at the time that's what those were and stuff um and yeah yeah so i guess that's when i discovered that oh people go to competitions and you know lift lift competitively and stuff yeah and and texas isn't um so isn't equip equip lifting is kind of big in texas in high school as well isn't it 
Yeah, it's actually only equipped lifting in high school. Well, I mean, that's the only division. So you can compete, Ron. A lot of kids do and whatnot, but you, you still get put up against the single ply lifters. It's all it's all counted as like the same thing. So Okay. And so did you did you just go raw? Did you ever think about hopping into anything or well, so I, I did I did use the equipment, but it was like the situation was it you know there's a bunch of us high school kids at powerlifting practice and the coach just brings out like a box of old equipment and we just kind of take turns going through it and try to find something that fits us so like i never had a bench shirt that really helped me basically my bench shirt would help me pause what i could press like raw without a pause yeah so it was kind of like and then the squat suit maybe helped a little bit but my legs were kind of long for it so it would just ride up really high so i think i mostly just got some help from like the knee wraps mm-hmm. um mostly and then there's you know the deadlift nothing really helped on like that. yeah 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 for sure so i i guess obviously with being known as like a, a deadlift guy um do, do you kind of just was it something you kind of fell in love with and like that was your favorite lift or you kind of realized early on that like that was going to be your big lift or you know i i'm not sure if i would say it's like my favorite lift um maybe in a way it kind of is but it only became that way because i did realize i was i was good at it you know i i like i noticed that it was it's the easiest to get it was the easiest one for me to get excited about because it was the lift i could do the most weight on you know i remember being like the the kid and i, I would miss a squat in my garage or something and have to dump it and it would you know fall down to the bench or something and then i would be able to just pick it up and put it back on the rack like whatever i would miss on my squat i could just deadlift it back on the rack like super easy so i, I guess you know i always just felt really really strong like with with that you know, um, but then once I started competing in high school and I realized that I was stronger than some of the other kids at deadlifting by like quite a bit, then that's when I really started liking it. And that's when, you know, I kind of maybe realized I was kind of good at it. My other lifts were okay too. Um, but, but maybe like a lifetime favorite would maybe bench press, you know, that, that was the first lift that like I really loved, you know? And that, I mean, I think that's like where everybody really starts. Yeah. For, know, yeah. Everyone's like, how much, your friends don't care how much you squat when you're like in high school and stuff, you know? So I know it's like, it's like friends now that like, don't really know about the sport. They're like, Oh, how much you bench? I'm like, I don't really like benching. How about you ask me how much I squat? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, um, Going into your first meet, like what was what was that like? I guess going into your first meet in high school, and then going into your first meet outside of high school sports. Okay, um, yeah. So my my first meet in high school, what I from what I can remember, it was. I mean, I, I guess I was just like a little bit nervous, obviously, because I had just never never done anything like that before. But I was maybe a little bit more confident than I should have been too. Like maybe I'd been squatting kind of high in practice, and then. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I was even doing things like trying to squat heavy the day before the meet and stuff because I thought it would make my body feel prepped. I mean, there's just no guidance at all at this point, you know, and and, and you don't even have like a coach that tells you, hey, that's like not a good idea or hey, don't do this. Hey, do that. It's kind of like we're just doing like whatever. So that was kind of where I was at with my first meet and I actually bombed out on squat. Like I missed like something like 205 pounds three times. Um, You know, I was competing in the 123 pound weight class or something like that. I was like a pretty, pretty small kid, but I mean, I remember missing that 205 pound squat three times in a row. And when you bomb out in high school, you're done with the knee. Like there's no participation. They don't like let you do bench press and squat still or, or deadlift still like they do at some of the adult meets because you paid a membership. Well, yep. it's like, you just have to sit down for the rest of the meet. Um, yeah. So I remember, I remember that kind of sucked and I almost quit after that meet, but then like, you know, one of the other kids on the team kind of talked me into staying and going with the, the next meet and stuff. So um, I, I guess I'm glad that he did, you know, cause 
I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I would have found a way back into it like eventually, but I was getting ready to quit then after, you know, bombing out and whatnot. Um, but, and I guess my, my first meet as an adult, like outside of high school, um, I, I was kind of just like a lot of the other kids after high school. I didn't, I didn't even know, like when I was 18, 19, I didn't know that powerlifting was a thing that you could still do after um, high school. Like I didn't know that there's like these other federations that I could just go drive down to like in San Antonio or something. And, and I didn't know it was like, such a thing like i thought maybe they were just small little random events here and there that you could go participate in if you wanted to i didn't know it was like a whole league with federations and then a bunch of other people that did it so i i did like a little push pull meet um you know because it it, 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 at the time you know i was having a hard time with like squats and my knees and stuff so i was really just you know good at bench and deadlift so that was the first so the first little the first two meets i did after high school it was maybe like two and a half three years after high school um I just did like little push pull meets and whatnot. But then when I did those meets, I realized how lame push pull was. I was like, wait a minute. Like, like, like push pull doesn't mean shit. Like it, it's like, you nobody cares at all what your push pull total is. You don't really, I mean, you competed against yourself because you know, it was like its own category. So I realized how lame push pull was and how much glory there wasn't in it. So I was after that second push pull meet, I was like, okay, I'm doing full power only from now on. And I, you know, that's when I really started, uh, you know, caring about the, the total again. Yeah. So. For me, my first meet was a push pull meet because I wasn't really sure of where to look because I knew there was a hundred different federations and there's a hundred different places to go do a meet. So we had one about 30 minutes for me and I was like, I'm not sure if I want to do it because squat's my favorite lift and what's the point if it's not a full meet. And my friend was like, just hop in, try it. And I did it and it went well. And I'm like, well, all right, when's the next full power meet nearby? Cause that's when I'm signing up. So yeah yeah it's like uh, just once you do that one me you know it just really sparks you to get back into it pretty easy yeah and then so at, that was rps and i've done two or three full rps full power rps meets and then this past meet that i just did this weekend was ipa so this was my first new federation and i had a great time it was awesome and with the amateur and the pro day like the amateur day was mostly raw guys. Just that's kind of just, I feel like generally that's how it ends up being. And then the pro day was mostly multiply. So it was like two different meets and it was really cool to watch. Cool. Cool. How long ago was that? How long ago was which? Oh, that, that meet you're talking about the push pull or the one I just did. Oh, the one you just did. Yeah. So that was this past weekend down this on, past weekend? Yeah, okay. down at blue okay. collar on uh, long Island. So yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It was a nine 11 Memorial meet. So that one was awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I noticed, uh, you kind of aren't, haven't been super active on social media. Um, I know you're coming back from an injury and I believe your last competition was 2019. Yeah, like November 2019. Yeah, so what's what's been like the the journey back to recovery? Kind of what's what's the next plan for you? Well, it, it really hasn't been a very good process. I mean, I've I've been like as positive about it as I can be, um, but it's kind of just like one thing after like another. And I, I didn't even say anything. I, I so um, I, I tore my lat again about a month ago, and I haven't even said anything to. I mean, there's a a few friends and stuff that know about it or and then a few other people that i've told but for the most part like i haven't even gotten around to posting about that one yet 
Um, I, I would say like the main thing that, that is kind of making everything pretty hard for me or that, that has has been the, the pec injury. The other ones have all felt pretty small and insignificant in comparison because the level of those injuries was just, you know, a lot less. Where with the pec, it kind of detached from the bone. So um, and I wasn't able to get like surgery in time. If you can't do that quick, then it's kind of just, you know, it, it was in the point I was at, it was just too late. So, um, so I can't really do bench press anymore. So, and without that, it's like, I can't really ever beat the total that I had. Um, so it, it is kind of sad that that part of like, you know, my career is definitely, definitely over, um, you know, because without, without being able to, push bench press like a hundred percent. I mean, there's just no way I'm going to beat that last total. It took so much to even get that last total that I got, you know, I think I only had a little bit of room left, you know, in the rest of my life anyway, to Im improve on that. So, um, but yeah. And I, and I think over the last, and it's been about two and a half years now with this, with this pec tear. Um, and I would say it probably really hasn't made any progress over the last two years or so. It's maybe even gone downhill like a little bit, but I mean, I, I stay after it and I, I work on it like as much as I can. I find movements that I can do. Flat bench is kind of just out of the picture right now. I haven't really been able to do it hardly. Um, I've been doing a bunch of incline and stuff, but the result of that over the last two and a half years is that I think there's just a big imbalance in my upper body now. Cause I've, I've now had three lat tears. I've torn my left lat twice and each one was like, they've been long enough apart from each other that I don't think they've been, I don't think one had anything to do with the other, you know? So like I tore this left one and then it did okay. And maybe like 10 months later, I tore it again. And that was last July. So July, 2022. And then August 5th, I tore the right side and it was like, so completely unrelated to the other two. And it was, you know, so, so I keep running into like little things like that, that have been kind of just kind of just annoying. I mean, the, the lat tears haven't been bad, but it's, it's still like a setback for several months. You know what I mean? For sure. But there is, but it still is like, I can see that getting back to being good, but the peck, the peck thing really isn't, really isn't like that, I guess. Yes. Um, so I guess what would, what's kind of like the, the new mindset or approach to your training with that being said? You know, um, I, I, I'm kind of just trying to feel good at, at this point. And it's been, it's been hard to have like a goal that I consistent can't, that I can consistently try to achieve. Um, and I, cause I feel like I'll set one goal and then something will happen. And then I kind of have to like restructure it. And it's been kind of just going like that for the last two years. So, um, I don't know, like, I guess at, at this point, I guess I'm just trying to make my body feel like, like a little bit better. I don't really know what kind of strength goals I could really set right now that would be realistic. Um, I, I would like to get like a little bit bigger, you know? So, so like a lot of my workouts have just been like, you know, general bodybuilding type stuff and, and, and whatnot. Um, Cause I, I think, you know, I, I, I had a lot of really good years of, of training. You know, I started, at a really, really young age. So I, I know things kind of fell apart for me at not necessarily a very old age, but I mean, it was after like a whole decade of just going like nuts, you know, lifting and, and whatnot. And I do feel like I, I pushed my ceiling really far to what, whatever my potential like would be. Um, and I, I took advantage of a lot of things at a early age and I don't have, you know, and there's like other things in life that I kind of put on the back burner for a little while just so I could maybe be a little bit better at powerlifting. And I'm really glad that I did that, I guess, you know, because I, I don't know, I was able to kind of like uh, achieve a lot. So, so that being said, I'm, I'm kind of, 
I mean, I'm bummed about how things are now, but you know, I, I really felt like I made the most of this when I could. So there, there is that feeling too. So I guess, you know, goals with training is just to, I don't know, like, I guess I'm just trying to learn as much as I can right now to be a better coach. Like I'm I, because that's just, that's been kind of the thing, you know, is just uh, it, it, like, I figured out uh, like helping other people get their PRs is that, that feels like just as good. So, um, the way that I train now is a way to kind of, I don't know, just, just feel a little bit better and, you know, try to learn some new things for potential clients or current clients that I have. Yeah. I mean, your, your legacy in the sport is definitely pretty set stone. Like you, you've had some amazing accomplishments. So just being involved in the sport still, and just helping people get anywhere near some of the accomplishments you've done are, it's respectable and, I, I'm impressed with your career, and I mean, I remember like when I first started getting into powerlifting or kind of watching YouTube videos or watching like Mark Bell and Stan Efferding, and like you were one of the people that I watched and was like, wow, that's some insane weight. Like, it was just baffling to me, so. Well, thanks. Appreciate that. Of course. So I guess now we'll talk about your deadlift, kind of the journey behind that, maybe some of the, the science behind it, um, some of the people that have helped you along the way, some things that you might have or some cues that um, people might not know about or something that's really helped you. Okay. So um, I guess to start is, why don't you let everybody know what your best poles were at your different body weights? Okay. Um, so I guess I'll just go with my, my all time bests at, I was about, so conventional deadlift, I did nine Oh nine and I weighed about maybe 214 pounds at the time. Um, you know, anywhere from like 210 to 214. And that was actually like the last PR, like I ever was able to, to do. Um, and then my best sumo deadlift is nine fifty nine, Um, and that was also about the same, about same body weight, about 210, 214. Um, and I say that those are my best, like I've technically done some heavier deadlifts, but these were both calibrated plates, rogue Ohio deadlift bar. Um, it's something that would have been repeatable in a competition, I guess. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So when you were starting to kind of get your deadlift locked in, I know you're like your conventional is relatively close to your shimmo for some people. It's a much larger gap. Kind of how how did you figure out that your sumo was just a little bit better? That was that was your pick. Well, so the way it worked in high school with deadlifting was that we weren't allowed to do conventional deadlifts. So, oh, really? Um, yeah, because there's just you know how like the perception of dead or that most people have of deadlifts is that they're bad for your back and you're going to get hurt if you do them. Um, and and some people will just not see it any other way. Well, our athletic director would not see it any other way, and he didn't allow anything other than sumo deadlifts. So for me, that's just what a deadlift was for like a long time. I didn't start doing conventional deadlifts till I was like out of high school or until like late, late my senior year after that powerlifting season had ended. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I guess I, and then I don't, I don't know, after high school, I kind of just went, um, conventional for like a really long time. And that eventually got stronger than my sumo, but that was just because I wasn't doing sumo. Once I started doing sumo again, it ended up being like, you know, the things I would struggle with conventional, I could kind of do sort of easy sumo. So I don't know. It's just, it's just always been like a little bit easier, I guess. Yeah. And I guess during a, during an off season or a prep, um, I'm assuming 
you would alternate. I don't. Th you wouldn't alternate between the two during a prep, correct? Right. Um, you know, I would start the prep like, I mean, if it's like a 16 week prep, for example, maybe the first, you know, six to eight weeks, I, I might be doing conventional. Um, and then any sumo that I do get done in that six to eight weeks would just be like technique stuff, but I'm doing all, all the work and all the building conventional. Okay. So you find that you, you're, you built your deadlift better doing conventional, but sumo was better for obviously a higher pull. Right. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I made every bit of progress on my deadlift from conventional deadlifting or just focusing on and, and focusing on accessories that strengthen my conventional deadlift. So my goal for the conventional deadlift was never to do it as an accessory for a sumo deadlift. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of lifters will make. They're like, oh, I do a conventional deadlift too. But the way they do a conventional deadlift is like, it's, it's like, you know, set, sets of eight with like a lower RP. And I'm like, no, you have to like kind of replace it completely and then make that your primary stance for a while. Forget about sumo for like a little bit. Um, pretend like this is your your main stance. And then that's when I feel like you really get like the, the true carryover. Um, and at least just for me personally, I, I never got a ton out of training sumo. It was just something I had to be fresh on the technique for. But, but like it was just, I, I didn't really notice myself building like a ton of strength there. It was more like a stunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what were some of your favorite like deadlift builders, whether they're accessories or secondaries? Okay. Um, well, I think everybody knows that I like the bent over rows quite a bit with the, with the barbell. Um, and I, I was really lucky that once I got back into powerlifting after high school, that I just happened to stumble across Ed Cohn's videos. And I, I just happened to listen to the things that he said. And sure enough to this day, that's still some of the best advice like I've ever heard about deadlifting. Um, so I was fortunate to find that very early on and I try to share that with a bunch of other people, but those heavy barbell rows and how specific they are for the deadlift and doing them with, you know, just, you know, not touching the floor each rep and getting a little bit of body English. And, um, I, I do feel like that helped me quite a bit. And then another one that helped me quite a bit that I don't think, you know, most people really talk about as a, as a deadlift builder, um, is, would be like just really heavy barbell shrugs. Um, I, I feel like I got so much out of that. I mean, I, I got up to where, you know, I could, I was doing maybe like sets of eight with over 700 pounds or something like that. And then, and then even when I, and then I would even go like a little bit heavier than that. And then even if I could only just pick it up from the rack and move my arms up and down like that a couple times, um, I would still kind of do that in the same workout, but routinely there was days out of the week that like, like I had a day every week where I was doing heavy barbell rows and heavy uh, heavy shrugs. And, and I felt like that just did so much for my, the strength of my back. It just, it just made my back so strong. Um, and that's already like, just, just genetically, that's already one of the stronger parts of my body too. So it, it you know, I, I think it would, it, it may have responded pretty well to maybe some other movements. I just happened to found those two early on and I'll always like doing them. Yeah. So for me, my, my weak point is, is my back. It, it kind of shows up in all three of the lifts and, I, I, it'd be interesting to kind of work back. I kind of put barbell shrugs on the back, but I don't think I've done shrugs in I don't, I don't know how long. So maybe that's something I could consider to try to work back in and see what I can get out of it, especially going heavy like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, first, some people might think that it's kind of like a, it's good for your lockout, right? Because you're in that lockout position. And I guess it kind of is because I pretend like when I'm doing my shrugs, I pick it up from the rack, like I'm locking out a deadlift. And then I kind of just start like the movement from there. 
But I feel like it helps me off the floor more than anything because it makes my upper back so strong that it's not going to break when I go to pull the weight off of the floor. So, um, which I guess that in turn also helps with lockout too, if your upper back doesn't break off of the ground. So, yeah. And another, for, for me, my deadlift has kind of been like a, a struggle for a while. Like I pulled 585 in a meet in 2021. So that five pound PR this weekend was a long work in progress and I've been yeah. chasing 600 for a long time. So, um, that's kind of something I'm focusing on now. Like same with bench bench okay. has been a struggle. Like my squat, I don't think I've plateaued on squat like ever and it just keeps going up and up, but deadlift has been yeah. like a, a, a struggle, quite literally a grind. <laughs> <laughs> okay and yeah. I, something for me too is I, obviously for a lot of people deadlifts can be very taxing very fatiguing especially during a prep um so for you during the prep how did you did you just were you able to recover very well or did like how did you manage the fatigue it did seem like i was able to handle deadlifting like like pretty heavy almost twice a week for a lot of weeks during the, during that prep. Um, I guess once the weight gets like really, really heavy, then it's, you know, maybe kind of once every five days kind of deal. Um, but it seemed like I, I always had a pretty decent time recovering from, from deadlifts. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I had a hard time recovering from the squats because, you know, my, my quad tendons were always hurting real bad and stuff like that. So that was kind of always the thing that I felt like I was recovering from, um, and, and deadlifts, I always just seem to, and, and I think, I think maybe everybody probably has something like a part on their body. That's just like a little bit stronger than everything else that like, you know, that's their strong day in the gym. And it's probably also the, the part of their body that seems to respond well to just any type of training or whatnot. And I guess for me, it was kind of de deadlifts. Yeah. That my, my quads are like, my legs are like that. Like, like everyone or like most of my friends or some of my training partners are like, my legs are ready for 700 on squat, but my back yeah. is not. <laughs> So oh, I see. I yeah, because I, I lose okay. my back a lot when I squat. Gotcha. I was always the opposite. My back was totally ready to squat <laughs> 700. And, and it's like anything I was able to squat, I could pick it up off the rack and walk it back and all day, like just take a tip, like a million steps, setting it up because it was so easy to hold on my back. But then as soon as I went to squat, it would just like, <laughs> you know, it'd be hard. Yeah. Uh, so during a prep, like what, how did you structure your deadlifts during prep? If you were doing it twice a week, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have one primary day where I'll do the actual lift, right? Like, you know, from the floor, normal deadlift, um, you know, comp competition style. Um, and then I have one accessory day and the goal for that accessory, well, it, it, and it's just a, a variation, I guess, of, of the lift that is uh, preferably easier than the main lift day, but it still kind of complements it. So, um, One's, you know, one's like a combination I really liked was just pulling from the floor one day and then maybe doing like a block pull the next day. Um, that, that's something that's like worked for me for quite a while is just having that, that block pull because usually with like whatever I could pull from the floor, I could always do a little bit heavier on the same week from the blocks a couple of days later. And it, you know, even though it was, even though it was just, even though it was a little bit heavier weight that I was moving, it, that, that shorter range of motion and the the little bit more height to it it just didn't make the lift feel as taxing on my body so sometimes i felt like the block pulls were pretty easy for me to recover from um because it was i don't know uh, i guess just the, that shorter range of motion and whatnot so it seemed it seemed to go pretty well in a weekly routine with pulling from the floor yeah and how how did you like structure your percentages i guess as well 
Um, so I, I guess the best way I would describe it is kind of like in a five week pattern. So, uh, maybe, maybe week one, everything's pretty easy, but whatever that is, whether, you know, 70%, they're probably less than 80, but you know, RPEs are probably closer to seven this week on most things, six to seven. And then, then, then the next week, you know, it's still easy, but a little bit more medium, you know, maybe, maybe some of the things will be RP, maybe they'll have some RP eights and whatnot. Um, and then, then the third week, all the lifts are, you know, we're definitely, we're past easy. We're a little bit, we're a little more medium now. Um, and, you know, main lifts are getting a little bit heavier. And at the same time, whenever, whenever the weights get heavier as the week goes on, the volume also goes down yep. on some of these other sets too. So, so if I'm lifting heavier on the main lift then the volume afterwards, it can be like a little bit less. Um, so then the, the fourth week would obviously be a little bit harder than the, uh, the third week. Um, and now we're getting to we're getting a little bit past medium, but not necessarily super hard yet. And then the fifth the fifth week I would go pretty hard. Um, and that would be kind of like, but but the fifth week I would have goals for the fifth week on when I started the first week. I would kind of know when I started the first week I would kind of know what I wanted the fifth week to look like that week. Sometimes it would be four weeks though, you know, just depending on you know. So 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 pretty much I would only have like one hard week out of like one 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 really hard week out of. Uh, every four or five weeks or something like that. Okay. And then it, towards it. So when it came towards like the end of prep, I guess, when was your, like, what was like your last heavy pull? Like how far out or did you, did you do a really heavy pull like a couple weeks out or then uh, a light week following or. Yeah. So I, I did mine maybe it was like a whole month before my last meet, And that was that. Yeah. So my last heavy pull was a whole month. And I, the way that I decided that was I looked at like, you know, the amount of weight, right? Because <clears throat> like I, I did, I, I know I just said I recovered from deadlifts pretty well, but you know, if I wanted to kind of like fully recover, um, I think the fact that it's just over 900 pounds just makes it like, I, I just can't do that as often as I can squat 600 pounds, even though that, even though a 600 pound squat was harder for me to do or perform than a 900 pound deadlift, the fact that it was 900 pounds still just wore me down like a little differently um so the deadlift was always done three and a half to four weeks out usually maybe maybe when i was a little bit a little bit weaker a little bit younger it would be like three weeks or something um and then the squat would be like you know two and a half three weeks out the last heavy squat and last heavy bench maybe like a week and a half out bench seemed to be pretty easy um you know pretty easy to like recover from like i didn't need as much time yeah um, I'm the yeah. same way. I, I So what I've been doing the past two meat preps and kind of think of what I'm going to stick with, I usually do my last heavy pull like two and a half weeks out, my last heavy squat two, and then my last bench about a week and a half. And okay. I feel like that gives me enough time to recover from the deadlift, but not be too far out to kind of just for, obviously you don't forget how to deadlift, but obviously you got to keep that technique locked in. Yeah, so Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess after I did that heavy pull, maybe I would have like the week after would be like 90% of that. And then the week after that would be, you know, maybe even uh, a, a little bit less. So it kind of just taper off and then, and then pretty much I would just show up on the day to me and, and, and it, you know, I, I've done this with some of my clients and whatnot, not, not necessarily that long, but I think like, when I share that with people, some of them will, it'll give them a little bit of anxiety being like, that's such a long time before the meet, all this or that. But the reality is, is like, you're probably not going to get weaker in a whole month. 
I mean, unless you kind of just like stop eating, but if you're keeping up with your diet and you're still like lifting a little bit, that level of strength is going to stay. Like you, you can maintain that for like a month, kind of no matter what. Um, and and sure enough, I, I was usually able to usually able to do that. Yeah, a lot. So along the way, when you were kind of just growing your deadlift like crazy, um, maybe who are some of the people that have helped you or? Um, what are some of the things you've learned or like some advice you could give to someone that maybe wants to focus on deadlift or just, I guess, powerlifting in general? Um, well, um, I guess, you know, just like many other people, Ed Cohn was a, a big deadlift motivation for me and whatnot. And then just all the things he would say about, of course, the accessory movements, like I mentioned a minute ago, but then, just other things that he would talk about with technique and then the way that he would help people and stuff. And, you know, um, I just always agreed with the things that he said. And, um, trying to think, you know, as far as, as far as things that could help other people, you know, there's, there's a lot of advice that you can follow. And then it's, it, I guess this, at this day and age, it's, it's kind of flooded sometimes on the internet. And sometimes it's hard to know, like, what what's what's like the best thing for for me to do and whatnot um yeah so so i don't know i i think it's always good to kind of just be as resourceful as you can um i don't know because like i feel like over the years things kind of always change for me like like i, I kind of like i could never if i had just only stuck to the the, the same few things that i started doing that helped me at first then maybe I wouldn't have got as far as I did because it's like, well, certain things are going to maybe stop working for you after like a while and you kind of have to change it to something else. But if you're stubborn and stuck on well, this is the way to go, then I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is just be, be open-minded to like trying new things with training and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did, did you always have maybe one or two things that was consistently like something you were attacking with your deadlift or did it seem to be something that was constantly changing every once in a while? I would say the, the one thing that for sure just never changed at all was the way that I treated conventional deadlifts and like for my sumo deadlift and whatnot, because, you know, my sumo deadlift was always the stronger stance. So I, I felt like I always just saved that for a different day. You know what I mean? And, and all my training kind of just went in conventional. That's awesome. So, um, I guess going into a little bit about coaching, um, is that something, uh, like how many athletes do you have kind of like, what's, what's your process behind coaching? Like how, how do you, um, I guess, break down people's videos or like what, what's your, what's your methods? Okay. Um, so, so right now I have, I have 26 people and that that's like a number that I'm slowly working on increasing, you know, like, um, but for the longest time, like, like I'm just trying to figure out, you know, well, first I had to figure out how can I manage 10 and do a good job with all 10 people? How can I help those guys make progress before I felt comfortable in taking like, like more than that. So, um, and I guess since I've been out of competing and whatnot, that's been something that I've been doing more and more of. Uh, so I guess I'm up to about like 26 now that I'm able to kind of like handle and keep up with. And the, the way, the way that I do it with everybody is um you know so so all the programs are kind of custom made so we'll we'll just kind of get some brief brief questions done from from the very beginning just to kind of um get just like basic info and whatnot and then i'll kind of just make their make their first week um and i'm usually pretty specific about like i, I like to 
select certain weights for the top weight or for the for the main lifts and whatnot so i usually pick the weights week to week on squat bench and deadlift instead of giving like an rpe there's plenty of times where i do give an rpe um especially if it's like on a, on a lift that maybe we've never done before or something like that but um so I, I i try to so i really try to stay as true as i can to the whole customized program thing um because i guess like to me that's like the only way coaching can like really work like i, I don't know how else i would do it other than like you know putting like writing each little thing in everybody's program like like every single week so that's what i do for all 26 people and after every one of their workouts they're able to uh check in with me on i do it all on whatsapp um so they, they send me they send me their the videos of like you know i ask for at least one top set and one back gun set from each main lift each day um i have some that it's kind of hard to get that much from them but then there's some that they send me every video from their whole workout and that that's great too so i i, I like to make it whatever experience they want to be for it like if, if maybe you know i i try to make sure they at least send me the important list that like i need to send but like if they don't want to send it to me after every single workout and they'd rather wait for the end of the week to send it all and like i, I have some that just don't necessarily want to communicate with me as much and that's okay too you know because i, I kind of want this coaching experience to be whatever they want it to be too like 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 i don't want like i guess i will take it as seriously as they do but yeah. if that kind of make makes sense yeah and i mean um, there's so many coaches out there that just use all the cookie cutter bullshit so i think it obviously it's important like you said you're not getting anything out of coaching by just having them send you something that 20 other people because they're not paying attention to your weaknesses they're probably not even watching your videos like right yes yeah and i just i don't i, I just don't even think i could call that coaching yeah. at one point so when i when i hear people talk about having like 100 clients i'm like okay i i i i would love to see like what how they're managing all of that and what exactly they're doing for each person on a weekly basis because perhaps i could learn maybe, maybe there's just like some, some big learning thing like um but i'm always trying to figure out how to learn how to handle more and more people and whatnot yeah and for me i i kind of just started I kind of, I would say officially, I'm just only doing powerlifting clients now. Like general fitness is fun and it's fun to see people get healthy and stuff. But now I, I kind of in the mindset, like I want to get strong. I want to get people strong. And so I have three clients who are some friends from the gym and one of my close friends that I've been, he's been one of my clients for a while. And so I do, I'm doing their meat prep right now. And luckily they all have basically the same weaknesses. So they're getting the same program. And I'll make slight adjustments, whether it's fatigue levels and things like that. So I'm kind of lucky to have that, but it's not a cookie cutter by no means. Like I'm reviewing their videos, breaking them down. And so I think it's very important, especially to manage a decent amount of people like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise I feel like you'd just be guessing. It would be like a blind guess week to week, you know, or. Yeah. Do you, um, so do you go to any of your clients meets at all? I have, but I guess if it's on the other side of the country, I can't really, or if it's, if it's something that I would have to travel to, um, may, maybe not. There was a time where, you know, the client had bought my plane ticket and stuff, but it was all, they're also like a close friend of mine had been, we were friends before the coaching thing. You know, I was friends with two of them. Um, in there was maybe another time where I took like a six hour drive to go help one, one other guy, but it is, it is hard for me to always be able to do that. Just, just because like one, I'm far away. Some of like half of them don't live in America at all. Um, so, and then the other half are like, I would have to take like a plane there. So, so just, you know, money wise, that doesn't really, doesn't really make sense. But I mean, if, if anybody ever wanted to 
have me there and they're like, Hey, I'll get your plane ticket. I mean, of course I'd be, be open to that. But I, most, most of the people that I have are like college kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's some, like, there's a powerlifting meet here actually in two weeks. So it's on September 23rd here in Lubbock. It's a USPA meet. And there are two of my online clients are actually flying in to do this meet here. And one of my other online clients lives here in town. So I'll have three of them over at, at this meet. That's awesome. Um, yeah yeah but i would like to do that a little bit more in the future though like like um set up something where i have maybe like a whole team of people that goes and competes at one meet somewhere and i can i can go if it's for like five people or something you know yeah and obviously it's a a little bit easier to kind of have someone i guess a client of yours kind of solo mission it if they're a raw guy especially if they're just sleeves because like with multiply you, you you need people to help you out and even someone to wrap right. you things like that so um i guess in terms of like them picking attempts how do you do you plan up to second and then or do you try to plan all three or what what's your yeah so we definitely plan up to a second um but but you know like the way the way their minds usually are they're they're like what do you think we're going to end on the third? And it's like, well, we can, we can kind of have like a tentative goal, like a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and, and usually like the training will be set up in a way that will tell us, Hey, this is what we should be able to get on a third. Um, so it won't really be <clears throat> too much of a guess, but we definitely, you know, play an easy opener. And then um, we, the second attempt in training is, or the second attempt at the meet will be whatever will be, will be pretty close to whatever the heaviest, last single was you did of, of the prep it'll be somewhere in there because that last single of the prep i like to set that up in a way that there's still some room left after it like i don't like to hit anything rpe 10 in the gym i like to save that for the third attempt at the meet. and that's like the only time that you really get to have that you know attempt where you get to try as hard as you possibly can and that you know kind of makes it a little bit more special too yeah i, w- I would say that's kind of how i search the things too because I mean, at least for me, all of my PRs are like all time PRs are at the meets. So I kind of I try to leave a little bit in the tank and I feel like during prep, I don't necessarily go. I don't work up to openers, maybe on deadlift just for the the taxing reasons of it. But I'll usually work up to like a a estimated second attempt for squat and bench. Yeah, for sure. So do you do you relatively give all your clients like the same i guess length of prep or the same like days of training um i'd say it kind of depends you know so i i seem to have quite a variety at the moment you know so i i have a a lady that's like 42 years old who is i mean she does do like the, the power lifts and stuff um but you know her her training is about four days a week you know most people don't do less than four days out of the week unless they are doing like a really really heavy week then maybe it's just like three days out of that week or something um but yeah most of them most of them do four to five i would say six six seems kind of like a lot you know i've had i've had some clients in the past that they're really insistent about being at the gym six times out of the week and if and if that's the case well we can make that work like like right we can make that just like a really easy day or maybe some of the things we were doing on one of the other days can be left out just so you can have a sixth day in the gym, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I would say, I would say if they are kind of like more on the beginner side and we're more in a building phase, then, you know, it, it's hard to do less than five days a week. I really like five days a week for that. But then once things start getting like a little bit more, more serious and, you know, the spots of Dell start getting a little bit heavier than maybe like 
four days out of the week. Okay. And so I guess for you, what are, what are some of your future goals or maybe some short-term goals for you right now? Just in general. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I guess just to keep getting more PRs on coaching and stuff like that. Cause I, I would say that this year is the most PRs that I've helped people get in, in coaching. So it's been like an exception that's made it. And that's made it feel like an exceptionally good year for me. It's been like really fulfilling and stuff. So I guess like um, immediate goals, it would just be to keep doing the best that I can at that and maybe be able to do it for like a few more people. Cause there, there's still things that, you know, you always, you always think you can do better with it and whatnot. And it's never, it's never good enough or, you know, you can never program too perfectly for anybody. And there's always another thing that you can like learn. So, um, I guess, I guess I would like to kind of just kind of just do that. And then maybe as far as like a fitness goal, um, I want to hit, I just want to hit a golf ball, like really, really far. (laughs) I just started getting into golf. I just started back in April actually. So, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I, I got back into it after the pec tear. Cause I was like, well, without bench press now, like, I, like it's, it's much easier to put my hands together. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Cause before it was just like, oh man, my chest would be done after that. Because like, I mean, I'd have to like push my hands together to hold the club, but now I don't. Yeah. It's like, it's so funny how stiff my swing is from it. It's, yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I did collegiate football. So I finished that okay. last November. So I'm like, all right, what's, what's next. So obviously every retired college athlete picks up golf. So I'm going to go, golfer and yeah. a powerlifter now a dynamic duo yeah. <laughs> and, and i would like to do a long drive competition like i actually want to go and okay. train and then do one of those competitions um because to me that's like that's like the powerlifting version of golf <laughs> you know just hit who can hit the ball the furthest yeah. like me i can you know who cares about anything else like i don't care about anything else other than that so. that's awesome all right yeah. so i guess before we wrap things up i like to ask all my guests if you could give a new lifter or someone going into their first meet one word of advice, what would it be? Well, whatever your opener is right now, do a little bit less than that because it's probably too heavy. <laughs> okay. That's a good and, one. And, and, it, and it's going to be okay to do that. And making it closer to your set, making the weight of your opener closer to your second attempt does not make the second attempt better. It's going to make it worse. <laughs> okay. You know, cause some people will be afraid. Well, if it's too far away from my second <laughs> attempt, then uh, maybe it's not gonna be too much. Well, Awesome. Well, I wanted to thank you for taking the time and coming on here. Um, I had a blast. So um, just want to let them know where they can find you on Instagram. Yep. Uh, just Dr. Deadlift. Or if you type in my first name, Kaler, C-A-I-L-E-R. That, that's, that's a pretty unique name. So that's a pretty good way to find me anywhere. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you once again for coming on. It was a blast. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. Good luck with your podcast and everything. Thank you.